Hello, hello, and welcome once again to a Beatles program that we call Things We Said Today. This is a weekly show in which we talk about anything that has to do with the Beatles. It could be about their past, the present, anything we feel like, maybe even the future. And in fact, I have a feeling that's what we'll be talking about on today's show. I'm Ken Michaels, one of the four regular co-hosts. You might know me from my syndicated Beatles show called Every Little Thing and my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. And I'm being joined by my three other regular co-hosts. First of all, the man who writes for Beatles Examiner, the leading Beatles news source on the Internet, that being Steve Marinucci. Hi, Hi Steve. Hello, everyone. Also, we have the senior editor for Beatle Fan Magazine. He's been with them ever since pretty much the inception of the magazine, that being Al Sussman. Hi, Hi Al. Ken. Hello there, everybody. And also, we have our musicologist and freelance writer. He writes for so many different publications and also for Beatle Fan. And both Al and Alan are also authors of Beatle books as well. But uh, we welcome Alan Cozen to the hey, show. Hey, Hi, Ken. Alan. And hello, everyone. On today's show, we're going to be talking a topic that um, actually we just decided we would bring up mainly because of the success or perhaps lack of, uh, of the recent Beatles One Plus release. And that is the legacy of the Beatles and how we personally feel it will be handled. And by that, I mean pretty much decisions that are made by the record company and, of course, the four major parties that represent the Beatles. And... I want to make sure that I stress here um, that we're, we're not talking about what we feel should be done, which we've done many times already, but this is more uh, a reality check here of what we think will happen in the future, meaning what will be released on the Beatles, audio-wise, video-wise, and our reasonings behind that. So... Uh, let me start with, um, how about Al? What do you think is going to be happening in the future? And do you think that the the recent release of the Beatles One Plus, and we should also talk about that uh, a bit here on the show, because um, from what I've been told from, well, from you guys in particular, is that although I haven't read a statement or heard anything from the record company and Universal, the sales haven't been what they thought it would be. They weren't quite pleased with the sales of the Beatles one and the Beatles one plus and all the configurations. And so will that have some kind of an effect also on future releases? Because I know, and you know, that the, something that's really interesting to talk about here is the fact that even though you're very, we're all very knowledgeable on the Beatles, nobody can predict the success of anything really <laughs> when you get down to it um, in the future. I think when the Beatles one was first released back in the year 2000, none of us could have seen that it would have become not only a, a phenomenon in America, but worldwide. None of us could have predicted that. And as I said, many shows back when the Beatles one first was released, I remembered it being pretty much what the Beatles 20 greatest hits was, mm -hmm. which came out in, 1982 or 83, just a collection of their number one hits only on CD. They package that with the UK number ones. But I never would have imagined in my wildest imagination that the Beatles one could have been the success story that it was. And yet when the Beatles one plus was released before it even came out, I was saying this is going to explode. <laughs> I really thought this is a win-win situation because it appeals to every level of Beatle fan, new and old. There's something for everyone there. And I know that amongst friends of mine who are Beatle fans, a video collection of the Beatles is at least in the top five of every, every Beatle fan's wish list, at least the ones I talk to. So the Beatles one didn't take off the way that we all hoped that it would. So my question to all three of you, and we'll start with Al, is do you think that will have an effect on future releases? And let's expand beyond that and say what we think how we think future releases will be handled and what might be coming out, if anything. Al? Well, I, I think we're at a particular, particular crucial juncture because, yes, uh, for the first time, a release of the one album 
apparently has been a disappointment. The chart numbers were not they had been obviously for the the original release in uh, in 2000 and even when uh, when it was made available for download on iTunes in 2012 it almost immediately became you know went to number 1 on their charts of of uh, downloaded albums in this hmm. particular case it may have been a victim of the fact that there were just so many different configurations and there was it's it was very it it very it, it was very confusing to figure out which which was which so that may have contributed to a full, you know a drop off in uh, in sales but also at the same time we're dealing with this the the streaming of Beatles music online on Spotify and Spotify's claims that there have been 250 million streams of Beatles music. So that kind of, it, it, you know, it's kind of revealing right there because I think, and we've actually discussed this before that I, I think it's what is happening is that the audience that would buy would normally be the target audience for an album like one, which is not hardcore fans, which is not first generation fans, but the younger, the 20 something, 30 something teens uh, audience, they're not buying albums you know, aside from a few fattists that are buying LPs, uh, you know, just because vinyl seems to be suddenly in in certain in certain crowds, you know, they're not buying physical product. They, you know, they're they're just as happy to go onto Spotify and listen to as much Beatles music as they want and not pay for it because it's streaming. Mm-hmm. So I think that may the configuration of those two elements may have an impact on what's going to be coming down the road. Hmm. So the mere fact that here are all these videos that had never been released commercially before, and so many generations of fans have wanted this to come out. I mean, one of the things that I pointed out once we heard about the Beatles one, the one plus is that you've got everything in there for every level of fan, to me anyway, and every generation of fan. Because the people that first grew up on the Beatles, who have bought every single thing that's ever come out on the Beatles, even if it's multiple times the same song, well, you've got remixes of Beatles songs here. Then you've got videos that have never come out before in the best picture quality. So you're appealing to the people that grew up on that, And then for the young fans who are just discovering the Beatles, they get to hear their biggest hits and they get to watch the videos that came along with it. So apparently, that's not so important, the video. I guess the videos aren't that important. I I don't think they're important at all to that younger group of casual fans because, let's face it, you know, video, you know, if they want to watch videos, they they can do it anytime on... On YouTube, although obviously the the you know YouTube has pretty much been scrubbed of Beatles, you know at least the official Beatles videos, but they you know it's not it's not like the the generation that grew up with MTV, you know it's uh, it's a mm. it's a different uh, it's a different mindset. They don't really and and they don't have the sentimental attachment to a lot of these videos that, for instance, I have. Or mm-hmm. that other, you know, first generation fans or just hardcore fans have, you know, they don't really have, they don't really care about the videos, and if uh, and if they don't, they don't need to buy the the one album itself if they can just go on to go on Spotify and listen to it for free. Hey, they don't need to have the the physical product in their hand in the way that, that a lot of us do. Yeah. Well, in the case of the videos, it's not just the first generation fans, because like you mentioned, MTV, we're talking about the eighties there. You have several decades of fans who were brought up on well, videos or video clips that they, that they really enjoyed watching when it was presented on TV. And in those days you look forward to it. 
you know, it wasn't accessible like it well, is now. Yeah. But, but um, the thing is that that was, hate to tell you this, that was 30 years ago. And you know, I know, but I'm saying that it is, it's more than one generation. Right. It goes beyond just the 60s. People. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, the younger, especially the, the younger teens, 20s, 30 somethings that, that make up the the vast majority of the people that are streaming on Spotify, according to their, uh, you know, their data, you know, they don't they don't have any ties to memories of MTV, you know, at all. They don't mm-hmm. really they don't really care about that at all. They just want to listen to the music, and if they can. If they don't have to buy, you know, they don't have to have the physical product. If they can just go on to Spotify or wherever and listen to the album, that's good enough for them. Well, then that brings the question of how important is physical product going to be at all? If that's how the young generation are right now, whether it's audio or video. That's the basis on which um, Apple can say to itself, Apple and Universal, that, you know, okay, if we're disappointed by the sales, you know, it it's not necessarily that they're not interested in this stuff anymore. It's that the market is changing in that mm-hmm. kind of way. And yep. and also I, I think we should say that, you know, while we've heard that they're disappointed in the sales, we don't really have figures and we don't know if that's the, you know, absolute truth. We don't really know do do we really know how they feel? I mean, uh, do we have really credible reports from inside Apple about what their feeling is? No. There's uh, there's been no official statements, but you can you can kind of tell that they were disappointed in the uh, because the the chart performance is not what the previous iterations of one had been. Yeah, I think they have all kinds of reasons to console themselves on this particular release because while yes it's true as ken says the the videos do make it a different release the fact is that the original one album sold so many copies that there has to be a large percentage of people mm-hmm. who will say um yeah i i sort of already have that one and i'm not <laughs> that interested in the reissue and yep. it doesn't matter to me about the mixes the second thing yeah. is that even if the sales were not what they wanted, I kind of think that, you know, the thing was like a, a, a success to esteem in a way, you know, I mean, it had a lot of press, it had a lot of people excited mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, it would be different if they put it out and it didn't sell there very well and everyone just shrugged and it got no coverage. That didn't happen, you know. Mm. So I, I think that there are, you know, and, and the fact that the the physical market is in flux now. I think all these things, Apple can look at it and say, okay, you know, this is maybe not the best acid test of of what we can sell, you know, from now on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was but that was gonna be it- my reaction too, Alan. That. Um, it got. It, it, I mean, the overwhelming reaction from the fans was incredibly positive, and don't think for a minute they aren't watching that because they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, and um, you know. I mean, that I think is going to is going to make a big difference. I think on the Beatles, unlike a lot of other artists, especially modern artists, um, who don't really have that much input on you know on this kind of stuff. I mean, the Beatles do have a little bit, I think, of of influence on on what goes out, and I think in in this particular case, the reaction from the fans was just so good that you know they actually the Beatles have total influence on what goes out because the 1989 agreement between Apple and EMI says that EMI or its successors, which is now Universal, can mm-hmm. do nothing. Without right. the involvement and permission and signing off of mm-hmm. Apple, which is the Beatles. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I take that. I take that little part back. But um, <laughs> but, I, but I was but I was trying to I, the, the point I was making was because of the Beatles status in the industry. Uh, whereas with modern artists, it's not uh, it's not like that. Uh, it's not as it's a different situation. But um, yeah, I mean, I you know, there's no question that. The reaction had a lot to do with that, and they are watching. They really, really are, and and you know they are watching what's going on, 
they're paying attention to the internet. They're paying attention to all sorts of things, you know, so. But don't you think that because of their status, like you mm -hmm. said, Steve, isn't it expected that it's because it's the Beatles and they're the biggest band of all time, even if this music is 40 to 50 years old, it's expected to do well. It's expected to hit number one or chart really but, high. And if it doesn't, it, it's a bit of a disappointment, even if it's been released a million times over. It doesn't even matter because it's well, the Beatles. Because there are some people who will think it will be a mm -hmm. disappointment because mm -hmm. that's what they expect. But I, think, I think you have to be realistic to a, to a certain point that it's not 1964 anymore. And, you know, th times have changed. This is, you know, 2016. And there, there are a lot of different factors you know, at work. If you look at the charts, I, in fact, I was I was just looking at the Billboard charts this morning. I mean, the Beatles aren't all over the Billboard charts anymore. And anybody, you know, I mean, they. I, I wrote about some of the the uh, the latest from the latest issue of Billboard, some of the charts, and and you know, it's. It, I mean, it's relatively quiet if you you know if you're looking at that, and you know, so I mean, it. It. But that said. You know they're still out there. I mean they have enough. You know there's enough uh, uh, knowledge about the Beatles in the marketplace among fans, not just older fans, that you know they they do make an impact no matter what. But yeah, I mean things are different now, and and I and they're smart enough to know that they're not they're not playing that game. I don't think you know I really think that there are enough astute people in the Beatles. You know, in the uh, Beatles industry, I to use the term industry, but to use the the marketing and all that stuff. I mean, they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, apart from what we've heard, will most likely be the next release, which is the Ron Howard documentary of the Beatles Live Project. Apart from that, what do you foresee in the future if physical product doesn't mean as much, and if the Beatles? and Apple and the record company really are more concerned about attracting a younger demographic. How about you, Alan? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> it's not an easy question. There's a, there's a good one. It isn't because um, the attracting a younger demographic is the thing. I mean, they're, they're in a position now where they have, you know, they have this big archive that they amassed 20 years ago when they were doing the anthology and then mostly sat on while the absolute prime audience of people who who really wanted the stuff have been getting older and going into retirement and mm -hmm. having disposable income yep. and then actually um, um, snuffing it, as Monty Python might say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, uh, cease to be. You know, and so like this was this was these were the people, <laughs> meaning like including us, who mm -hmm. you know absolutely would have been thrilled to buy the stuff, and that audience is dwindling, and yeah. their desire to get a younger audience, you know, raises a lot of questions. Like, okay. We can get the younger audience by doing something like love, maybe. Okay, but, mm. you know, the love stuff was fun. I like those mixes. Um, I, I had no interest whatsoever in seeing a bunch of acrobatics, let alone going to Las Vegas to see it. <laughs> um, but the recordings were, you know, were kind of interesting, and that was fun. But nevertheless, you know, it's 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 not really – I mean, it's the Beatles, and it's not the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's It's – it's stuff done to Beatles recordings to sort of um, tart them up for, um, I guess, a new generation or whatever. And there, there can be a bunch of that, and they are obviously amenable to it. I mean, apart from uh, love, I mean, if you look at things Yoko's done, I mean, Yoko did the complete makeover of Starting Over, a complete remix of that. And with her own stuff, you know, she's taking songs that she did in the, you know, 70s, 80s, whatever, and commissioning gazillions of dance remixes. And there have been, I, I gather, in fact, I've, I've heard, I think, some recordings, but uh, there's no way to know how legitimate they are. But there have been things that she's done with some of John's tracks experimentally, having someone come in and add new bass lines and add new orchestrations and things like that. And, I, you know, she hasn't put them out. 
but she's at least interested in that kind of thing. And if she has, uh, if she is persuasive in the Apple, um, you know, principles meetings, one might say, uh, mm-hmm. she may be able to persuade the others, you know, we might want to consider this. We might want to um, take basic Beatle tracks and turn them into something else beyond love. I don't know because I don't know what I don't know what a younger generation or younger demographic would want that the Beatles material can supply. I mean, what the youngest generation wants now is you know Kanye, and there's really no way you can make. Beatles stuff into that. I mean, it's a totally different kind of music. So we're talking about, you know, how are how are they going to sell music from the 60s that has all of the attributes of music of the 60s to a younger audience? And I I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. All I can think of is what they can sell to us, you know, and the Ron Howard project is fundamentally aimed at us, but not necessarily at the fanatics among us. I think it's aimed, it's going to be aimed more at a general audience. Um, Mm -hmm. From the reports I've heard, they do have some footage that we've never seen and um, possibly didn't even know about, but um but it's still not going to be like we're going to go into the movie theater and come out 12 hours later having seen 24 full Beatles concerts. Right. You know, that's not going to happen. No, um, it's going to be, you know, part of this show and part of that show and presumably with some kind of narrative. I mean, if you were if they were just going to string concert bits together, why would they need Ron Howard to do it? You know, presumably mm. he's going to going to impose some sort of a narrative on it and have people talking. I mean, I, I can't think what else they could do, but, or, or why they would have an actual director if, if that's not what they were thinking of. Um, but that project is still not even finished. So, and it's still in it, you know, I think there's a, um, a rough cut that's been finished and has been shown to some people and, um, they're taking comments and things undoubtedly change, you know, in, in the course of a film being made. So we don't really know what's going to happen finally. What I would hope would happen is that they say, okay, you know, the physical market might be drying up, but nevertheless, it can't all be Spotify. We have to, you know, we should sell something to people who are willing to buy something and you know the logical thing to do is to perhaps package some of the concert material that they have collected back in the anthology time and since then and we know you know bunches of concerts that they have they already put out the washington coliseum show on itunes only Mm -hmm. they could do that they could do stuff like that put it out you know digitally just you know and when they put that out, I mean, that was revelatory. I mean, all of us have had the Washington Coliseum concert in 80 million versions between, you know, (laughs) since the 1980s, but that Mm -hmm. thing looked absolutely beautiful and was complete. Um, And, you know, as many times as I saw that film, when I watched it again in the quality that they put it out in. I mean, just everything about it just really popped for me. I mean, Ringo's drumming in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, there were a lot of things that as many times as I've seen it, I didn't appreciate quite as much as when they put it out in that kind of quality. There's the Swedish show. There's the the Paris 1965 Mm -hmm. concert. They could very easily put out a four or five DVD set for whatever the physical market is. And, and I kind of think they will. I mean, I've, I've heard that that kind of thing has been talked about at Apple and it seems like it might be a logical companion to the Ron Howard film. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, whether they're going to reach a younger demographic with that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if they couldn't reach it with the one videos, which right. are at least varied, you know, it's not like concert, concert, concert. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, every single one of those clips was different. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I hope that they still feel that, okay, we do need to 
we do need to sell things. Um, and we do know that there are people out there who want them, even if they're not the gazillions of people that we, that there, there may have once been. And this is what we have and this is what we should sell. Just makes sense. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that we're, we're talking about reaching a younger audience and, and whether or not should that be the criteria in, in releasing anything in the future. But at the same time, even though when you're streaming music, you're not buying it it still has got to be somewhat satisfying to know, at least based on what Spotify has reported. They said that I think it was 70% of the people who stream right. are 35 and younger. Right. Yeah. So they're not listening to remix versions of Beatles songs for the most part. They're listening to the way that we heard them. Right. So they're enjoying those songs in its original form. So you don't really have to, to, to doctor up these recordings and, uh, you know, have contemporary artists inject, you know, their own um, their own playing into it to make it sound contemporary. And, and we've we've always said that, you know, this music is still contemporary. It sounds fresh as could be to us anyway, at mm -hmm. least. So if younger people are discovering this through streaming, the only question is, you know, why wouldn't they care about buying something physically? And, you know, I agree with you, Alan. The Washington Coliseum show is stunning to watch. I've never seen such a sharp picture. And it's just so, you know, it's mesmerizing to watch that, even after having seen it in less quality so many times before that. But um, still, as great as we think it is, maybe that's only appealing to the older demographic. And, you know, I'd love to see the Beatles at Shea officially released. The Beatles at Budokan concerts would be great to put they've out. Been, they've been but out. They've been I, out. I mean, I mean they've legally. They've been out legally. They In have. Japan. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. Oh, well. Yes, they have. Um, yeah, those are those are actually at an Apple release because of a particular copyright flute. Oh, In Japan. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Can I insert okay. some breaking news? Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul McCartney did not win a rap uh, Grammy tonight. Both nominations lost. So you can you can okay. uh, do whatever react whatever way you want to guys, but I just Ooh. thought it. <laughs> so they can they can they Somehow. can add rap to the um, uh, disappointment they may feel over the sales of one and decide right. that they don't need to pursue that avenue in the future. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> okay. There we go. It'll be decided solely on the basis of Paul not winning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. All right. But what, what do we actually see, and, and we're just talking about facing reality here, what we honestly think the Beatles will allow to well, come I... out. And will they, be, will they be so concerned about the sales and reaching young people? Not whether or not we think they should be, yeah. but do you think, because they have been. Let's face it, I mean, when it comes to the unreleased stuff, the unreleased audio, as much as I've said it before, in some ways... It's a miracle the Beatles anthology CDs came out. Yeah. Because they're so fussy about everything that's ever come out. There's something else I wanted to bring up. And, 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 you know, Steve, you can chime in on this. But the Beatles loved Neil Aspinall. Neil Aspinall was a close friend of theirs, someone that they trusted. And from everything I've heard about Neil, he was extremely protective. Yes. Mm -hmm. As protective as you could be of the Beatles' legacy. He didn't want anything to go out that was below par. You know, the Beatles were at the top of the hill. Everybody expects nothing but the best quality of, of from the Beatles. He didn't want anything to tarnish that reputation. So, you know, with the exception of the Beatles anthology, he didn't have, you know, all, all the, the stuff that's been out on bootlegs, alternate versions of Beatles songs that have come out through the years, all the video stuff that many of us have collected. That was slim pickings yeah. for us as far as what has come out legally. And then Jeff Jones became the new CEO of Apple. And I know, Alan, you were having high hopes once, mm -hmm. he, once he took over the mm -hmm. reins there, that maybe there'd be this, this would be opening up the door to all this unreleased stuff coming out. And really and truly, we haven't had that much. Right. And the mere fact that the Beatles bootleg recordings 1963 was strictly an iTunes release, mm -hmm. and it was something that at the time they were kind of forced to do, really. And Paul and Ringo did nothing whatsoever to promote it tells you that they don't want that stuff out, you know? Yeah. So in, in reality, you know, I just don't think that 
the four parties involved really want all the unreleased stuff that we love out because it's not of the quality of that that catalog that we treasure <laughs> so much. That is the best catalog out there. Nothing can ever top it. There's no reason to put out anything that's the best takes of the songs. And, uh, you know, for that reason, I think more than anything else, that's why we haven't gotten all that much, you know, outside of the Beatles anthology and the BBC stuff. And, yeah, there's love and Let It Be Naked and a few things like that. But there hasn't really been like what's happened with Bob Dylan. You know, that's not going to happen with I, the Beatles. I think the reason, <laughs> well, the reason is obvious. It's, I think it's, uh, it's an economic thing. I think, uh, I think uh, the record company is looking at economics and, there and, and I think that's lever. Uh, that's the lever that's uh, that's um, being put to play. And I, uh, you know, so I mean, I still think I, I personally think there will be stuff, and I think there will be stuff actually more toward the fans now. That I think that that may change in a, in a few years when a lot of the when most of the original fans are gone and they have, you know, basically the 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 young carryovers from the younger fans, you know, there is going to be a point of diminishing returns, I think, much as I hate to, to even think that. But Well, I, so you think it's strictly economical and it's not because of the four parties not wanting all the unreleased stuff out. Yeah. I would think that they, that they want to have, they want to have stuff out there and, and stuff that, you know, they want themselves in the marketplace as much as possible. And I mean, there's only so much you can do. Uh, well, their position, you know, against putting out a lot of this, you know, a lot of the the unreleased material is buttressed by the fact that, yes, there was the, you know, obviously the success of one. And now 250 million streams of Beatles catalog music. So in other words, they can just simply say, hey, the public, you know, the public doesn't really want take 72 of not guilty they you know they they want from me to you they want here comes the sun they want come together you know it's it's i i i'm i'm sure that's their position that they that the, that you know that there's no need for them to do something like what what cbs did with dylan and put out what was it alan 18 discs in the full version of right. every Every recording that Bob made in 1965 and 66, I right. mean, which which is an incredible release, but I mean, there's there's absolutely no way that I can see Apple sanctioning something like that having to do with the Beatles, you know. So, uh, say putting out the say the complete the complete Nagra tapes from the Let It Be sessions, that kind of thing. I can't see that ever happening. Well, there's a big difference between the Nagra tapes and what Dylan put out. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to hear the complete Nagra tapes either. But if they put out everything they did in 1965, that you know, I might be, I might definitely be interested in that. You know, because of the quality. I mean, we've heard, but, we've heard the outtake. You know, we've all heard the outtakes that have come out. You know, through the, the bootleggers. I mean, some of that stuff is uh, is amazing. You know, so. But to me, it has to be the four parties that are holding it yeah, back more than exactly. anything else. Yeah. Because you can't tell me if we had 18 CDs of the Beatles and outtakes from 1965 that that would sell any less than Bob Dylan's. You know. Well, Dylan's was a limited. Uh, this is my personal that opinion. was a limited edition anyway. I think it was limited to I, I can't remember something like six thousand mm-hmm. sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if you did get it. See, there's a difference. There's also a difference in the way um, Dylan and Sony and the Beatles and Apple deal with their fans. Yeah. Uh, for the 6,000 people who bought the 18 disc set, which, by the way, I did. Uh, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you then got an email a few weeks after your set turned up saying, oh, and by the way, we're going to have a download for people who bought this of all the live material from 1965 and 66, too. Mm. Um, so it's like another 18 discs where there's another 206 tracks of, mm-hmm. of live material. 
you know, and that was like nobody was expecting that. When you paid your six hundred bucks for the set, you didn't, you know, say, "I well, I really hope they give me another two hundred and six tracks for this money." You know, it was just a nice touch, and uh, you know, yet I don't think you see an awful lot of that from Apple. Um, no. And I have a feeling that you know, lunatic Beatles collectors, and I count myself among them. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not saying lunatic pejoratively, are actually have probably bought more of each Beatles discs more times than Dylan collectors have bought all the Dylan discs. I mean, I mean, and I realize his stuff has come out on SACD. It's come out on various versions of, of CDs and all that. And I've gotten all those too. But the, the thing is, I, I know that there was a lot more opportunity to keep on buying the Beatles stuff over and over. So it would be so nice if they did something nice for us, you know, but uh, I'm not counting on it. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just pointing out the difference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. They seem to have enjoyed putting out the stuff in anthology. I mean, before the anthology, if you talk to them in, in interviews or read their interviews, they would say, oh, look, there just is nothing else. And then suddenly they went through the anthology process, listening to bits that George Martin and Jeff Emmerich sort of put on the side for them to all consider. And, and they're saying, you know, this stuff is actually pretty interesting. Why didn't we use that one? You know, why didn't we do that? And I think, you know, mm. I thought they had a good time doing it so that they wouldn't be necessarily averse to, you know, putting out some more of it. Um, and the other thing that I think the Dylan stuff has shown us is that okay on this set? You know, when when I talked to Paul about um, way before the anthology about unreleased stuff, his concern was, you know, okay, but how is some kid listening to the radio going to know when he hears an outtake of "Can't Buy Me Love" that that wasn't the finished version? Mm -hmm. You know, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. All the outtakes of "Like a Rolling Stone" are now out, and nobody is confused about which one is really like Rolling Stone, you know, it's, I mean, well, the, so, yeah, the other, the other issue too, and, and, uh, the difference between Dylan and the Beatles is you've got one person with Dylan and four people with the Beatles. And right. it's those, it's, it's that mm -hmm. issue The you know, they all four have to agree. And if That's you know, true. one, and, and, and the, the, um, um, the film, the, uh, Cirque du Soleil film, pointed out the fact that everybody's worried about how everybody looks. Yeah. Um, and sure. Yoko, Yoko made that. I mean, I, you can say what you want about Yoko, but Yoko is very concerned how John comes across and, and they all are. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the big, that's a, that's a big concern. And I right. think that's a big blocking point on anything getting done. I, I wonder if, you know, I, I the reaction on the bootleg series was great. That was and 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 as I recall, that shot to number didn't that shoot to number one? I think it did, right away. Yeah, in right. ITunes. And yeah. I I don't think I, I honestly don't think the 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 fact that they didn't do it the following year wasn't because they weren't interested. I think there was probably some hang up with one of the four. Uh, I think no. I think they found a contractual way around no. it. Oh, did they? Yeah. Really. Here's. Yes, here was what it is, you know, because everybody sort of misunderstands that European copyright law that is, you know, supposedly forcing these things out. Mm -hmm. They do not go into the public domain. This is really an issue between record companies and artists. If the record company does not issue the track within the 50 years, the rights revert to the artist. And so in the case of the Beatles, you would have here would have been the tension. The tension would have been for EMI or Universal to want to get the stuff out so that it can renew its copyright holds on the Beatles material and the Beatles mm -hmm. not wanting it out. The Beatles basically made an agreement with EMI slash Universal saying, okay, we don't want to put stuff out every single year, and here's what the deal will be. Should we decide that we do want to put it out after the copyrights revert to us, we won't do it as free agents, but we will give Universal the right of first refusal. So in a way that guarantees universal the same rights it would have had had they put the stuff out and been able to copyright it for another you know 
75-year period. But it leaves still the decision up to the Beatles about what can go out or not. Um, with Dylan and Sony, the relationship is apparently different. I mean, Dylan is apparently perfectly happy for Sony to be the custodian of his catalog for the next 75 years. So, But he could have made an arrangement like that, too. Or Dylan's lawyers are seeing it differently than the Beatles' lawyers are seeing it. But this is what the Beatles' lawyers have come up with, and that's why we haven't seen anything since the 63 set. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. It's interesting what, what um, I forget who brought it I think Steve brought it up, the politics of, of what goes out and making sure that all four Beatles are represented fairly. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think that when the Beatles anthology CDs came out, you, it's very noticeable that that was oh, done. Yeah. There's a lot of George <laughs> Harrison compositions in there. And you better make sure that Don't Pass Me By and Octopus's Garden are in there. So, um, and I'm sure that between Yoko and Paul... Yoko didn't want Paul to have more songs than John songs, and that all goes into well, it. Well, you know, with every release, I'm, matter I'm sure. Matter of fact, uh, I think Steve either I think you either wrote about this last week or you linked to it uh, when you um, had the dispatch about the the new version of Love that will be coming out, mm-hmm. and there was there was a quote from one of the one of the head honchos <laughs> at Cirque right now about the fact that while Paul and Ringo have been virtually not involved at all in the process of the, you know, the, the, the new, the new iteration of love that Yoko and Olivia have been very involved in making a lot of suggestions and all. No, actually, so actually, actually that was a, a follow-up story that I think Montreal Gazette did. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. that. That wasn't mine. The information I got wasn't done through, uh, or I didn't talk to anybody from Cirque for that. I did talk to okay. somebody. I did talk to a, a, the a representative, but they came. They have more detail on that than I did. And, right. But, but apparent. Yeah. But apparently, so it sounds like, you know, Yoko and and Olivia are very much involved with making sure that they're their representatives get the best the best light possible mm-hmm. that's not surprising at all yeah like i said it was it, it, that the uh cirque du soleil film brought that made that very clear that yes. was that was really that was really i think that was the big takeaway from that exactly mm-hmm. and and make no mistake about it the beatles love has been a resounding success sure. i mean the cd the cd has sold a couple million uh, you know, which is very respectable in the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just went through ten mm-hmm. years in Las Vegas, about and to I be think renewed. That's, that's all. That's so, all part uh, of the. You know, that's all part of the. I mean, we're just kind of bringing that up on the side, but really, that's actually a a major part of the. You know, of their of what they're doing now, and that, and how they're relate. I mean, could you have imagined? I couldn't have imagined the Beatles doing a Las Vegas show uh, in the eighties. It just it would have been inconceivable. And the fact that they did this, I think, was a was a it was a big turn in their you know in their whole idea of of you know how to uh, how to make money. Mm-hmm. So. Well, give George Harrison all the right. credit for that because he was a big fan of Cirque du Soleil, right, but, so he's the one that proposed it right, to the but others. I mean, that, I mean, I that's not something I really could have conceived them doing, you know, way back, and the fact that they did it, um, it's still weird. I mean, if you go, you know, and you see it, uh, and I have seen it, um, it's it's definitely definitely unusual. Let's put it that way. Getting back to what we think will happen in the future. You know, it's very hard for me to envision what's going to be released at this point. In my mind, I'm thinking the Ron Howard film, The Beatles Live Project, and I do believe Let It Be will come out probably after that. Just my own hunch, because you don't keep cleaning up the film after all these years and having stunning quality of it, unless you're planning on doing something with it. So the mere fact that Ringo in particular has said that at some point it will come out makes me believe that it will. But beyond that, it's real hard for me to envision what will, as far as physical product Mm. so let me get a take from each of the three of you what you realistically not what you want what you realistically think will come out on the beatles whether it's audio or video we'll start with steve um audio i think 
there will be uh, a Blu-ray release of one. I think one will be recycled again. That won't be the, this. What they did <laughs> this year won't be the last time. If there are technological, especially if there are technological advancements in sound, um, I think it will be there. I'm actually surprised they haven't done flat, uh, a, a high uh, a flak uh, version somewhere of one. Um, I think that will probably happen. They'll do a Blu-ray uh, of 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 uh, the one audio at some point. I, that's been rumored. I've heard that in several places. And I think that's probably uh, that's probably uh, somewhere down the road. I think the video, the I think uh, the the live project will show some. Will do what uh, what Alan suggested about the the concerts. I think that's definitely uh, a possibility too. Um, and I th- and and beyond that, it's hard to it's hard to say what they'll do with the Beatles stuff um, because of the. You know, the, uh, there's so much about, I, I hate to use the word politics, even though that's what it is, but it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they come up with. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure they are thinking of some things, uh, there's something in the works that we probably have no clue about that, uh, you know, that they're, they're looking at. Um, but I, I honestly don't know. It, it's hard to say right off the top, uh, you know. But something, something technical, something futuristic will 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 happen. But I mean, we can't even, we don't even know what technological changes and what what advances are coming. I mean, because we don't, we don't. I mean, I'd love to be able to peer into the future and say we do, but something could turn around and happen, you know, tomorrow that we never even envisioned. And but yeah, I think they'll they'll go along that road, especially uh, down the road after. The beat after the other two Beatles pass away, I think, uh, and 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 you know, maybe twenty or thirty years down the road when we're all gone. So, <laughs> well, let's hope there are projects in the pipeline that we don't know about. But by the way, I just want to mention that when I say future releases, I'm talking about of unreleased material. I have no doubt that the Beatles catalog will be remastered, and even you were suggesting, Steve, um, a Blu-ray audio of, um, well, maybe the Beatles catalog, but I think you also said the Beatles anthology mm-hmm. audio. Right. Yeah. So that that may happen, too. Right. But they also so, have to do a Blu-ray I'm suggesting... video of the, of the anthology. Right, and I think that's, I think that's also... Right. I think that's very likely. That could actually happen this year. Okay. How about you, Alan? Um, well, the thing Steve mentioned, I mean, and, and that you mentioned just before as well, I mean, the, the Let It Be film and the Shea film, we know that they have prepared for release, and we keep getting little assurances one way or another that those things are going to come out. So, yeah, those will. I kind of think they need to do a Blu-ray of the anthology, although that's a much bigger project than one, and they may be thinking seriously about whether it's worth, you know, or whether it's worth putting in a lot of upgrading money or uh, whether it even needs it. Uh, you know, I'm sure they can, you know, they can do something with it that will make it a, a must buy, uh, which would mean some upgrading, maybe some extra footage, maybe mm-hmm. some extra performances. You know, I, I think they, I think they can't just put it out as it was. I mean, that's just not the way things are marketed these days. There's always some sort of extra beyond the jump to Blu-ray. In terms of um, new technologies that may make it possible for this for them to sell us all the stuff again um, in improved form, it's hard to say what that could be because all the technologies seem to be moving away from things people buy. <laughs> you know. You would think that you know Blu-ray is is such an improvement over the previous systems, both in terms of of, of sound and and video. You would think that that would be a very strong market now, and yet it's weakening like every other physical format. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to imagine what they can put on the market as a technology that will make people start buying stuff again. So. Yeah, you know, and 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 that of course has, has big ramifications for what we're talking about. What Apple can put out, you know, I think mm-hmm. they have to be, you know, they have to be thinking about the legacy market, is the uh, term of of art is in in that world, and yeah, putting out the the 
things that they have that they've been preparing for release um, or you know they could I, I I don't know if we'll see further collections of outtakes I kind of doubt it um, although uh, I don't know I, I'm not sure what Apple's function is if it's not to find things that they can put out and uh, you know uh, the the question of remixing all the albums I mean I think that is still alive because I think that um, I think that Paul and Ringo are into it, actually, and um, mm. you know whether they were you know happy or, or taking into account the reviews that pointed out things like the end of eight days a week and you know other little mistakes that have happened. Whether those can be just fixed, uh, you know. I do think that they see the value of remixing the catalog from scratch, even if it's not just for a, you know, even if they don't make a big deal about it, like put it out as a 2009 style box set, which may not sell at this point, um, but individually release the albums as, you know, upgrades, you know, as they, well, they're not going to do it as the anniversaries come around. That's for sure. Cause they don't seem to care about anniversaries. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that they will at least embark on a, remas- a, a remixing project and then maybe see how it goes in terms of whether they'll put them out or how they'll put them out. But I do think that they're interested in doing that, and I do think they should be. So I think that may happen. And other than that, I... I yeah, that's something, yeah, that's something I should have suggested myself because we were discussing the same thing when the Beatles 1 came right. out since it was remixed and you know there are things that you can do to enhance the mixes of the original mixes and do slight changes in there to make it sound a little bit better and i think some fans obviously you're going to have the purists that don't want any change at all but as long as the original catalog is available and intact then they shouldn't mind if there are remixes too i think there's a lot of fans out there that would love to hear revolver remix or sergeant pepper remixed mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you can do so much more nowadays technology wise mm-hmm. i do think you know paul and ringo will, could very well tackle that yeah 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 i think the the question is not so much whether people want remixes as such is whether mishaps happen you know like again the end of eight days a week and there were other tracks people complained about people were a little upset about the you know, some of the differences in real love and free as a bird and, uh, you know, as well. So, you know, I, I think Mm. there are, you know, if you, if, if they do it and it doesn't go wrong, I mean, I think what they really should do is bring in some people who are more fanatical about it than the people who work there and have them listen closely and see if they spot anything. You know, that's something that they haven't really done a lot of. I have a Mm -hmm. feeling that a lot of people could have spotted the end of eight days a week if, you know, and frankly, I don't I don't really understand how Giles didn't spot it, but he didn't. You know, so it's nice to have extra ears. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, Al, how about you? Well, our, our friend Robert Rodriguez has been lobbying for quite some time now for a remix of the entire catalog to be released on on Blu-ray. But as Alan was just saying, you know, the the Blu-ray market is basically collapsing as we speak. So the you know the 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 potential for something like that is 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 certainly questionable. I was thinking when, you know, since the, the Ron Howard film is not going to be I'm assuming is not going to be released to theaters. I'm I'm wondering if they might release it possibly through something like Netflix <laughs> or Hulu or one of you know one of the mm-hmm. the subscription video service online video services. Hope, hope it doesn't go to Hulu because they have commercials. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it could be, you know, it could be through Netflix mm-hmm. or it could be through HBO, you know, HBO Go, you know, because it's, it's, uh, it's a whole new, you know, it's a whole new frontier. And obviously a, a film like that, it's really not 
not made to be seen i'm i'm assuming is just not made to be seen on a big screen anyway so uh so it makes sense i don't know about that i don't know about that i mean you we've had something like um the imagine john lennon film was in theaters i mean that was a documentary right, but that was a long time ago you know I know, but it wasn't. It was released in. Theaters. It was released in theaters, but it was a long time ago. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think an audience now, uh, is, you know, the audience that goes to see films in theaters now, is is going to be real impressed with, you know, simply blown up, thirty five millimeter, or less quality film, of concerts. You know, it's really it's really mm-hmm. tailor made for something for you know for the you know the 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 current video market you know it may have a limited theatrical release you know uh, maybe at some festivals and and maybe yeah, right. small runs in you know new york yeah. and la like and sundance something like that you know yeah. but but certainly right. not a you know not you know coming to your local theater that type of thing. I'm I'm almost positive mm-hmm. that it would be released in some through some video hookup of some of some kind. And and you know and beyond that, you know as far as you know, yes, eventually Let It Be is going to come out. You know, obviously it's been ready for release for quite some time. But you know, who knows when that may when they will finally have all four positive votes you know obviously something has been holding it up and that is the the uh, apparently the fact that they just still don't have the unanimity to say okay let's put it out Mm -hmm. you know so but eventually eventually it's going to come out shea stadium who you know possibly uh you know as as alan has been saying they you know they could possibly put that out in conjunction with the ron howard film and again might release it through say through netflix something something like that beyond that i I, you Mm -hmm. know uh i i can't see you know i can't see any other you know anthology type audio projects because uh, because again you know other unless they decide to go the to, to to go that that route that say Sony has with Dylan and as um, Capital in fact has with to some extent with the Beach Boys uh, of putting out you know deluxe very expensive multi disc sets. You know, of as as Steve was saying, say, you know, the the complete 1965 recording sessions. You know, unless they decide to go that route, I can't see them putting out any kind of anthology type of audio release, because again, you know, again, they can just point to the success of the streaming and all and say. You know, hey, the core audience doesn't need, you know, take 72 of not guilty. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they want, mm-hmm. you know, they want come together. Yeah. And I also know, Alan, you said that, that the Beatles kind of embraced the Beatles anthology and, and enjoyed listening to outtakes. And in particular, I remember Paul saying how much he liked that different take of Enya Burke and Sing, where they're laughing during the take. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also am rem- I also am reminded of um, one of the interviews. I can't remember if it was me privately with Dave Morrell or me and Steve with Dave Morrell when he was talking about uh, seeing Paul during the Press to Place uh, promotion, and they were talking about the Sessions album, and Dave was bringing up uh, either Strawberry Fields Forever or I Am the Walrus, and it was a different take. And Paul said to him, "Yeah, but it doesn't get better than the release take." You yeah, know, but that was ten years. It just doesn't was, get any better than that. That was nine years before the anthology, and I think yeah. he changed his mind when he listened to some of the other stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, that that they found. Yeah, that's that's a good point right there. But I think in the back of his mind, still, he might think you just don't get any better than what was released. You know, they they have nothing but the highest. Uh, you know, the, they put so much quality into the music and was proud of the catalog the way that it came out. 
And so I think for that reason, what we saw with the Beatles anthology was a rarity. You know, it really was. And um, I hope that Paul and Ringo and Yoko and Olivia will see to it in the future that maybe, you know, outtakes of different songs come out. But, I, you know, at the same time, I can easily see that never happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could go either the, way. Well, I mean, you know? look at look at the all the fighting about the anthology and and how they, you know, they changed that or they, you know, all the delays and everything. How difficult that was to put out. You know, I don't see a lot of outtakes coming out either. It'd be nice, but I don't see it. Mm-hmm. And really and truly, when you get down to it, at least to me anyway, the purpose of putting out anything new isn't just to care about the new product but to make the public more aware of what does exist. And so to keep that catalog thriving, the core catalog from the 60s, and to keep it going and to keep interest in that going, I think new releases can do that to some degree. I think that should be probably the primary purpose of new releases instead of just caring about how high this album or CD charts, Mm -hmm. you know? But I don't know if, if that's the mindset of the four parties and the record company because what could be more important than whether or not that that catalog that core catalog continues to sell year after year after year keeping the beatles name out there in some way or fashion is what helps to still generate sales and you know hopefully there'll be new generations of fans discovering the music but there's got to be ways of reaching them too well that you know that may have been part of the reason for the uh, the the rollout on Christmas Eve of the of the, the uh, of the streaming of Beatles music, the fact that this was you know a little bit over a month after the release of the various configuration of the one and one plus uh, release, and since it didn't race up the charts in the way that that I think probably Apple was was expecting. Certainly, given the, the the previous releases, uh, the previous iterations of one, perhaps that gave them the impetus to say, okay, let's, you know, let's, you know, pull a you know pull a gimmick out of our hats, and and make all of this music available for streaming, along all of these digital platforms, and at mm-hmm. least you know certainly in the case of the, the the data that Spotify has um, you know has released it's you know it's a it's a resounding success so that certainly is you know certainly that's a way of keeping the music out there you know for the audience and you know, right. 200, 250 million streams a hell of a lot of streams of of, of Beatles music. Mm-hmm. I would think that the discussions about whether to make them available to the streaming services had to have been, you know, months and months long. Um, oh, yeah. W- w- mm-hmm. Way before, you know, and oh, the question, absolutely. the only question about, you know, would have been the timing of whether it yes. would have hurt one to put it out when they did or not. And and exactly. uh, maybe they felt that, OK, the sales are already declining, let's, as mm-hmm. you say pull a, a, a rabbit out of the hat but yeah i mean and they must also you know there's a lot of things we're not privy to but uh and that haven't been reported on they must have had some sort of a satisfying financial arrangement with spotify and all the other services because <laughs> they wouldn't just do it out of the kindness of their hearts right. uh, so the question further then is, you know, if we're thinking of, of other distribution methods like Netflix for some video things or Hulu mm-hmm. or whatever else, you know, there's all of that to consider, you know, whether what kind of deals that Apple can get that would make it worthwhile for them to put things out only in those formats and not as mm-hmm. home formats. Yeah. So it's a, it's a complicated new world, and I think that um, – uh, Apple may be just as confused about what the future holds as we are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah, very that's, true, Alan. Yeah, really. really. Yeah. All right. Anybody want to add anything? I was no, just uh, parenthetically uh, that uh, you could you could end up being able to watch uh, watch Let It Be on your phone on the way to work. 
at some <laughs> point in the next couple of years. You'll have people walking into their offices, going to their boss, saying, "I'll do whatever it is that will please you. I'll do it." <laughs> well, you can already watch a Hard Day's Night Elf and, and Magical Mystery Tour on your phone. So <laughs> sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, this has been a great discussion right here, and. Um, if any of you would like to get in touch with us, there's a number of ways you can do so. We have our own Facebook page at Things We Said Today. Do friend us there. And uh, we have our own email address, Things We Said Today Radio Show at gmail.com. And we have our own Twitter page too. And Steve, what's the address for uh, that? Things We Said Fab is the, is the Twitter address. Okay. If anyone wants to get in touch with Steve, they can do so uh, how? Beatlesexaminer at gmail.com. I have my own Facebook page. And, of course, you can get a hold of me through my examiner columns. Okay. How about you, Al? Uh, uh, through Beetlefan, www.beetlefan.com, www.paradingpress.com for Changing Times, 101 Days It Shaped a Generation. I'm on Facebook, uh, Al Sussman, uh, and on Twitter, at ASUSS49. Okay. And, Alan, how about you? Oh, probably the best way is on Facebook, either at just Alan Cozen or my alter ego, Alan Cozen Remixed. And, uh, yeah, you know, send me or, 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 you know, our things we said today email. Yeah, um, I, I, I read those. So mm -hmm. and, and occasionally respond on 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 that email account. So, yeah. OK. And as for me, uh, you can write to me at my email address which is the name of my radio show, Every Little Thing, at att.net. I also have my own Facebook page and my own website, kenmichaelsradio.com. I do want to mention that fairly soon, hopefully by the time this gets posted, I'll have another special contest on my website. And one of our uh, special guests that we had recently on our show, Kiddo Tool, she put out a book recently on the Beatles called Songs We Were Singing. I'm giving that away, as well as her new book, which is on Michael Jackson. Right. It's uh, both books combined in a special contest. And hopefully it will be there on my website by the time you're listening. If not, it will be fairly soon. So if you can, check out KenMichaelsRadio.com for that. All right. So on behalf of Steve Marinucci, Al Sussman, and Alan Cozen, this is Ken Michaels thanking all of you for listening. And we will see you next time. Next time.